nice, nice to be here. I'd like to pause, and I'd like to pray for Andy and Lisa, if I may, at this time. Uh, good friends of mine, I'm, I'm sure he's listening because or he will be checking on the theology. I don't know why, he hasn't got any, but he'll be, he'll, he'll be, he'll be checking. And I, I think it would be nice now, but I'd like to include others as well. If there's someone in your family or you're not well this morning, okay, would you just stand and I'll include you in this prayer for Andy and Lisa at this time. I'm hoping maybe to see them next week. I'm up in, Kay and I are up near Filey. So if there's a need or someone, I'm not going to talk. I've got a really long message this morning. So um, I just want to pray. Okay. Father, you know who's standing here this morning. You know why they're standing and maybe who they're standing for. And I pray you will bless, visit and bless each of their homes and each of their lives at this time. We pray for Andy and Lisa. We thank you, Lord, they're having some time away. And we pray, Lord, not only it will be a time of refreshing, but a time of healing and restoration for them. And that when they come back to be with us, Lord, we'll see the obvious hand of God upon them. For dear Lisa, who's been unwell, we pray you'll continue to touch her and to make her completely well. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we can pray for one another and we can pray for our pastor and his wife. And we just ask, Lord, that you will undertake in these things. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. Very good. Very good. I'd like you to open your Bibles if you have them, or your phones, or your iPads, uh, to John chapter 5. I'd like to turn to the occasion when Jesus healed the man at the pool. I have to check now, because you've not heard that one, have you? No, it's... Uh, Sally gave me a list of all the sermons she remembered, so, and she told me three she didn't want to hear again. So here we are. So we're going to look at this story of the healing of the man at the pool and see what we can learn from it, and hopefully it will be an encouragement to us. I'm going to read from John 5, verses 1 through to 15. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for the feast of the Jews. Now there was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in the Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered conalcades. There a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time and asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid said, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone else comes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. On the day that he, this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The Lord forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. They asked him, Who is this fellow? who told you to pick, up, pick it up and walk. The man who had been healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd and was there. Jesus later found him in the temple and said to him, I see you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well on the Sabbath. I need to pray again. Father, we thank you for your word doesn't belong to this church certainly doesn't belong to me but it's your word lord we pray you'll help us not just only to understand it 
but you will help us to apply it to where we are at this time. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It's not a really long sermon, honestly, but I, I just hope you brought sandwiches <laughs> because it could be long. Okay. Okay. Well, again, this is um, a feast. We're told very simply. Uh, sometime later, Jesus went to Jerusalem at the feast of the Jews. Now, there were certain feasts that the Jewish men had to attend. Okay? It was very simple. The, Jew, the, the feast had to attend. They had to attend Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. But this was not one of those feasts. Most people who know more than I do come to the conclusion that this is probably the Feast of Purim, which was a feast that celebrated God's deliverance in the book of Esther. Another time, someone I no doubt will share that with you. And it was a, a very uh, important feast. It wasn't one that Moses gave the people back in Leviticus in that way or in Deuteronomy 12. It was one that was added on. That doesn't make it of less value. It was remembering occasion, but it wasn't one of the great feasts, if I could use that word. It was another feast. And that's why John says to us here, Jesus went up to him for the feast of the Jews. He didn't mention which feast it was. Very important there. It was also a time when I didn't realize it was a time when people would exchange gifts at Purim. It was a time of blessing and being benevolent in that way. So instead of being reflective as in the Passover or in Pentecost or tabernacles with the harvest, that was the theme of the gratitude to God for his deliverance with um, Esther and gifts were exchanged. I think that has great meaning for what's going to happen later on. Now it says there, there was in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in the Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered columcades. Now, you might think, well, why is he telling us this? But I actually think it's important. There were ten gates in Jerusalem. Now, if I've got that wrong, you'll just have to forgive me. But my understanding is there were ten gates. And the first one was the sheep gate. And the last one was called judgment. I won't try and quote Hebrew or Aramaic to you. And so, first gate, sheep. The last gate, as you went round, was judgment. And even in that, in the old preacher that I am, I can see God's hand in that. Because whenever we see the sheep gate, wherever we think of that, we realize that the animals that were going up to be sacrificed in the temple probably came in through the sheep gate. In fact, in Nehemiah, when the temple was being rebuilt in the city, the sheep gate was the responsibility of the high priest and the priest to build. You think, well, what's the point? The point is this, that it all begins with God with sacrifice. Now for us, we don't have a sheep gate. We don't have a place where animals go up to make atonement for our sins. We have one who has already given himself as an atonement for our sins. But this again is a picture of God's redemptive work. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Once again, we see that the priority for God is sacrifice. Not the sacrifice of these animals, but the sacrifice of His Son that was going to happen some thousands of years later. And that is where we're at. That's the scene. So this pool, these poor people who are disabled, they're going to find themselves here. And they're watching. They're by the sheep gate. They're seeing the animals go in. They're seeing the processions of the priests that would go in, that they might fulfill their duty. And having circled the city, the last point was judgment. Forgiveness, judgment first. Mercy and grace before judgment. And that is the 
heart of God towards us in that way. So Jesus returned, as I said, there were 10 gates. It was the gate there. Now, we come to this pool. I'm just giving you the, the background to it. It says there, a pool surrounded by five covered conalcades. Now, they were obviously to give some shade, whether they were part of the original structure or some benefactor built them so the poor people there would find some shelter we're not aware of. But that's the scene for us. We have the animals going up for sacrifice. We have the priests also. And that there in that vicinity we find these poor people waiting by this pool. For those of you who have the authorized version of the scriptures, and there's nothing wrong with that, may I say, uh, just so I can get out of my life, um, uh, this is mentioned that an angel comes down and troubles the waters. But in other versions, that's not included. Um, I understand that's because those particular lines were not in the original text. And when people went back to look at the NIV or whatever, I use that, they discovered that that was not, they weren't confident that that phrase should be included. So whether you do or you don't, there was this idea that the waters would be troubled. Whether it was tradition, whether it was ideas, do I think an angel come, came down and troubled the waters? If you ask me personally, now that I'm not required to give me my salary, I'm going to say I don't think an angel did. I don't think, an, I never did chicken out. I don't think an angel did. I think it may have been thermal waters. It may have been all sorts of things happening. But I don't think personally. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. It's allowed. This is a healthy church where you can disagree with the preacher once. <laughs> After that, out. Be gone. Go to St. Edmund's or somewhere else where they're more gracious than that, you know, in that way. And so that was the scene. The tradition was that the waters would be troubled. The tradition was that an angel would come down. And the first one in got healed. I don't see God doing that myself. But that's the way it was. And so we have these poor people sitting by this poolside. Did the light just go out? <laughs> or surely my time's not up already. <laughs> it's a bit subtle, isn't it? Don't worry, I can please may I say seeing me is only part of the blessing. So we'll, we'll, we'll plod on. Plod on. The lights disagree with me. Well, it's a good job they went off then. Right, it's when the PA goes off, you know that someone on the back row doesn't like you. Okay, let's, must move on. Okay, thank you. And so Jesus arrives there. A very familiar spot, very open to all people. A great number of disabled people used to lie there, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Have they come back on again? All right, thank you. Do you know, I, my glasses are dropping off because I've got an ear, a phone here, so you'll have to forgive me if I hold them. Um, a great number of disabled people. One who had been there, been an invalid for 38 years. Now, we're not sure whether he'd been ill, sorry, he had been an invalid for 38 years, but we're not sure whether he'd been to the pool for 38 years. There's a slight difference there. You might say, well, what does it matter? Well, it mattered to him. Um, one who there had was an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition a long time. So Jesus spotted him 
and maybe made inquiries. Because the phrase that is used there is very simple. I'd been in his condition a long time. He asked him when Jesus learned. Now, how did he learn that? Well, you might say, and you'd have every right to say, well, he's the son of God. He knows everything. The father whispered in his ear and told him, that's fine. It may well be he said to someone, who's that guy over there? How long has he been? 38 years. Wow. Immaterial to this. Jesus noticed him. Jesus saw him. And Jesus wanted to understand this man's condition. Great thing about Jesus Christ is, although he loves the world, he loves you. Although Jesus died for the world, he died for you. Even though he, he forgave the world, all that put their faith in him, their sins, he died that your sins might be forgiven as well. And so he conditionally asked him, and then comes one of those phrases, isn't it? It says there, do you want to get well? Please, it sounds, and I'm being responsible, it sounds almost the wrong thing to say. For 38 years, this man had been an invalid. For a period of that time, he'd come to this pool. He had attempted to get into the water, and we'll find out later why he couldn't. And then Jesus asked him the obvious, rhetorical, I, I don't know, it just seems so, so wrong in that situation. Do you want to get wells? Sir, the invalid, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And I believe that man said something that brought about the action of Christ in that suit. And I wasn't going to preach on this. I was going to preach on something better. But I was drawn. I won't apply the Almighty to anything I do. But I felt this was right. And this might be why I had to change my sermon. Because this man said something that immediately Jesus said to him, get up and walk. And I think, and all the preachers here will think of other things, I think when he said, I have no one. That's not in the notes. I have no one. 38 years am I, forgive me, disabled. Maybe from birth, we don't know. Again and again, the waters were troubled, whether by an angel or th uh, some um, thermal streams. Who matters? The man's asked the question, do you want to be well? And in the man's mind, there was only one way he could be healed. He had to get in the water as quick as he could. <coughs> And yet, he didn't have anybody there. And he said these words, I have no one. May I say this? If you have felt that or are feeling it, let me tell you, it is not accurate. You do have someone. You say, well, my parents are not here, or my family, or my this, or my... Let me tell you now, if you're in need this morning and there's no one there to help you, Jesus steps forward. He will not have you say, there is no one. Oh, Gordon, you don't know how troubled my life is. I don't know 
with, without being unkind. I don't need to know. Those other people here can look after you better than I ever could. But I know this. The minute he said, I have no one, Jesus said, you've got me. You've got me. And there's times in our lives when you, some are older than me here, not a lot. <laughs> and you know in the past, you've sat there at home, in the car, I don't know where, and you've thought, I've got no one. And you're still in the house of God. And you're still worshipping Him. And you're still loving Him. Why? Because He stepped forward and said to you, you don't think you've got anyone, you've got me. He stick, you can finish this verse. He sticketh closer than a brother. That's who he is. And if I stop now and we all go home, which I'm not going to do, just a little bit further to go, if you or that one person who says, I have no one, you do. You haven't got me. I can't guarantee to be there when you need me. I can't. I'm, in fact, I'm hoping to meet Andy and Lisa for coffee and finally this week. I'm going to be up the, up the road. Huh? And if Andy's listening, because he'll be panicking now, I will pay. <laughs> you know he's a Yorkshireman, don't you? He's a Yorkshireman. I was in a shop in Yorkshire when I was the regional superintendent, and I dropped a coin on the floor. And I said to the lady in the shop, if I was a Yorkshireman, I'd have caught that before it hit the floor. And she said, if you were a Yorkshireman, you wouldn't have dropped it. <laughs> Are you a Yorkshireman? That's old one. I have no one. And Jesus said, listen, get up. Get up. You've got me. You've got, you've got me. He was looking for a couple of big lads to grab hold of him and get him in as fast as you can go. He got healed. He didn't even get wet. Because whether it was an angel, it was something else. It was a point of faith for people. I, I can't comment on that. He got well. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. On that day that took place was the Sabbath. And with that, all the joy of what had happened, all the yes, psst, the balloon went down. Because mats were classed as furniture. And the law did not allow you to carry furniture on the Sabbath. And of course, there's always people around who see you carrying a mat and not think, hang on a minute, he's doing something he couldn't do before. There's always someone who's more interested in keeping the rules than seeing the mercy and grace of God. Now, I believe in rules, I'm sorry. I believe there are boundaries. I believe, etc., etc., etc. But in saying all of that, the moment we are told it was a Sabbath, you can almost understand there were people now who were going to come in and be aggressive towards Jesus in that way. At once he was cured. And I put in my notes, the day this took place was the Sabbath. And I put trouble on the way. Trouble on the way. Because the religious suddenly got some oxygen and they were going to go. 
And in verses 10 through to 15, we have this conflict between law and mercy. Law and mercy. Now, when I became a Christian, I've said this many times, forgive me, Sally, I've said this many times. When I became a Christian, there were rules. One of the rules was you didn't smoke, you didn't dance, you didn't drink. I don't know why I'm looking at you there. <laughs> smoke, dancing, drinking, um, smoking, drinking. Not shorts, no. Um, um, going out with unsaved girls and the cinema. So you have heard me say this before. Five things. And for the beginning of my Christian life, I thought if I don't go to the cinema, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't um, something else. Uh, well, she was very nice. <laughs> I, you know, I did my best. Four out of five I thought was quite good. And for a long time, my concept was that this made me holy. Holiness was what I didn't do. May I say, as a teenage lad from Northolt who'd been refused a fifth form in a secondary modern school, I needed some boundaries. I needed it. And we have similar things. The list will have maybe altered slightly, especially with the arrival of Sky. But that was it. And there would have been people who would have told me off. I remember coming out of church one morning. And, uh, and I went, as, as an elder there, uh, he was very old. I mean, he was probably as old as me now, but I thought he was very old. And I went, I was sort of West London. I went, called Blimey Freezing, isn't it? And this man, who I believe was in the Camel Corps in the war, but I've never had it verified, grabbed hold of my ear outside the church. He did, physically. And he said, what did you say? And I said something like, if you let go of my ear, I'll tell you. He said, you've just cursed. I said, no, I didn't. I said, call blimey. It's freezing out here, isn't it? And he said, call blimey as God blind me. It's a curse. Never knew that. Do you know what that man did in a second? He taught me I'm responsible for what I say. I am, and so are you. We're responsible for what you say. So, please, I'd like to tell you that every word that's ever left my mouth, oh, wonderful, you wouldn't believe it. That's why I'm not saying it. But he taught me. So we do need some help. We do need some boundaries, things that help us to live by. But when they stop us understanding the grace of God and the mercy of God, so if you said to me, you can't go to heaven if you go to the cinema, wrong. I'm going to heaven in a cinema if I have to, why? Because Jesus died for me. Now, whether Jesus is happy with what I'm watching is another story. But there we have it. And he comes and he picks up his bed and he says very simply, walk. The man who was healed had no idea who it was for Jesus slipped away into the crowd. The Jews said, who has healed you? It is a Sabbath, and the law forbids you to carry your mat. They couldn't see the healing. They could just see someone was breaking the law in that way. Jesus slipped away. He wasn't looking for a round of applause. He did what he was supposed to do. He gave someone a gift of healing at Purim. 
He was a benefactor. He gave. And you know, every Sunday is like Purim in, in the kingdom of God. He's there wanting to give and to bless and to help us. Almost finished. Later, it says, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man, away, sorry, the, the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. In the end, they found out it was him. And in verse 16, it says, So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Well, if you're a Pharisee here, please don't apply for membership. If we have it, don't apply for membership. But if you're seeking to live a life according to God's word, and you want to help those who stumble, encourage them in the Christian faith, you're very welcome. If you're pointing the finger, we've got no place for you. But if you're saying, come here, Gordon. Come here, Gordon. <laughs> don't try it again. <laughs> you know, yeah, come here, Gordon. I think correction in love and challenge is part of the ministry of this church's responsibility. May I just say this in conclusion? I'm going to repeat myself for a moment. You're not alone. It's not my style, and it doesn't mean to say that it's wrong, just because it's not my style, but I'm not going to ask you to stand or acknowledge that. But if you will just remember that. You say, well, Gordon, I've never felt that. Good. I hope you never do. But if you do, will you remember, Jesus said to this, the man, I have no one. You do have someone. And his name is Jesus. And when folk point at you and say you're not, you know, you're not keeping the rules, well, make sure you're walking close to the Lord. Talk to your pastors, and they'll tell you whether you're daft or not. Because we want you to grow in grace and in mercy. And they all watched the sheep going in. And one day, the Lamb of God appeared and said to the man, you do have someone. And you and I have someone who went through the sheep gate, who went to the cross and gave himself for us. And he didn't return as a slain sh sheep, as such a lamb, although Revelation does speak of that. He returned as our high priest, ever living to make intercession for us. And what does that mean? It means he's praying for you. So you do have someone, and it's someone who prays. Let's thank you for listening. You've been very attentive. Father, we thank you this morning for these good folk listening to your word. Lord, if I've said anything this morning you're not happy with, may they just forget it. But if you've spoken to hearts, may your word become seed and bring forth much fruit. We thank you, Lord, this morning that we can never say we have no one because we have you, Lord. Amen.